Welcome to InfoSecurity Magazine's monthly podcast, bringing you news highlights, topical debate, and expert interviews from the information and cybersecurity world. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this final episode of the InfoSecurity Magazine podcast for 2023. My name is Beth Mondral, and I am joined by our news reporter, Kevin Poirot, and our deputy editor, James Coker, for a roundup of this year's events. Hi, guys. Hi, Beth. How are you doing? Good, good. Excited to dive into this one. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to it. Now, before we get going, a quick thanks to our sponsor, Sophos. With Sophos Managed Detection and Response, you get cybersecurity delivered as a service. Now, this episode, we're all three of us together, which is great. And we're going to discuss some of our cybersecurity highlights from this year, as well as some of the stories we've been working on. And then we'll hear from Braz Laporte, who is from Lionfish Tech Advisors, who speaks with James about some of the things cybersecurity practitioners should be keeping up to date with as we head into the new year. So first, welcome to the episode, guys. Uh, Let let you have have a bit of a say before we dive straight in. Um, It's been a busy year. Yeah. Hi, Beth. Uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks for having us this month. It was a busy year with a lot of events, a lot of uh, cyber news, a lot of AI news, obviously, a lot from our side to do uh, this year. But it was also great. There's a lot to reflect on. Yeah, I think um, we'll try and avoid making this another AI episode, but obviously it was one of the biggest things. And James, I know you've got a couple of stories you're going to be sharing with us um, this episode as well. Yeah, like you say, I've tried to avoid going into AI because I know that's that's going to be discussed a lot anyway. And and obviously it has been a big, big theme this year, but there has been a lot of other things going on as well. A lot of interesting trends. So, um, yeah, important to reflect on those as well. So I think it's worth highlighting that as a team, we do get out and about quite a bit. We've all been to quite a few events and conferences this year. And I wanted to kick off just kind of talking about some of those highlights and maybe inspiring people for their um, plans for 2024. So for me, a personal highlight of this year was the Women in Cybersecurity event at InfoSecurity Europe. Um, It was the first time I'd organised an event like this. So the pressure was on. But I was so pleased with the outcome. The people we had speaking, Danny Brooke, who delivered our keynote speech, she's an ex-police undercover officer and now runs her own cybersecurity company, was amazing, so inspiring. And it was really great to see women from all over the industry come together to share their knowledge and experiences. And I'll be taking the event into 2024 and planning with my team again to make it even bigger and better. And I think diversity does continue to be one of the main talking points in our industry, especially when it comes to the personnel side of things. So definitely a cause worth championing. But Kevin, you've been all over the place as of you, James, but Kevin, do you want to kick off with your highlights from the year? Yeah, sure. Um, in terms of events, uh, it was a year of firsts for me. 
because it was the first time I, uh, I, I have been to Infosecurity Europe as part of the Infosecurity magazine team. Uh, it was also my first time at Black Hat USA in Las Vegas. Um, and on a personal note, it was uh, my first time first in Belfast for the Cyber UK conference and in Washington, D.C. for Mandian's MWISE conference, uh, both with glorious weather, which was great as well. Of course, it was really great. It was lovely to meet so many people uh, from the industry. It was uh, great also to put faces on names from people that I've been in contact with via email, via um, conferences or interviews, um, and, and also in, in a lot of our webinars. Uh, it was great to meet them in person. But one of my uh, biggest takeaways uh, from attending these, these events uh, was that the, they're usually great moments um, to dive deeper into government strategies uh, around cybersecurity. So first, because you get to actually meet people uh, that are involved with government uh, with government roles, uh, usually these people are quite difficult to get to um, when there's no there's not an event uh, because they always have like such a jam packed schedule. Uh, so it's great to to use these uh, these events to actually meet with them. So it's true as a journalist, but I guess it's also true uh, if people from the cybersecurity community are listening to us. It's also there's, there's you there there are usually a lot of uh, government people in these events. So uh, feel free to try and and approach them and speak to them. It's always great to have their insights. Um, and also these events are, are usually a great time for governments to announce new strategies, new initiatives, or to um, dive deeper into previously announced uh, ones. Usually you have one or two sessions that uh, are going deeper into um, how the strategy will play out in practice. So that's one of my uh, biggest takeaways for, for this year's events. Yeah, just listening to you there, Kevin, it's... Uh surprises me how busy we've been this year uh, with all those events but absolutely crucial for us to be at them and as you said meeting the people that don't always have the time to spare in their day-to-day -day, um, jobs. James event highlight from you what was your kind of standout moment from 2023? Yeah I, I completely agree with what you guys are saying it was it's kind of it's been strange. I was reflecting earlier today on sort of all the events I'd been to earlier this year, and it kind of things do just leak out of your memory <laughs> as um, it feels so long ago. But yeah, there was a load of fantastic events this year. And obviously, I agree with you. Info Security Europe was a real highlight. I thought it was a really good atmosphere, great conversations and talks that took place. Um, I had the pleasure of introducing Matthew Syed, who's the former British number one table tennis player, and he's a, also a renowned journalist, author, and public speaker on, on performance and mindset. So yeah, I had the pleasure of introducing him at the keynote stage, um, which, which was a big highlight for me. It was great to return to RSA in San Francisco for the second year uh, running. Um, it was obviously a great place to visit, great city and fantastic sessions as always. And I think it's great opportunity for us to really connect with US cyber experts in person. Obviously, we have a lot of um, video calls and um, webinars with with people on that side of the pond. But yeah, we get those those rare opportunities really to to connect in person, which is great. And another personal highlight for me was attending the ISC2 Security Congress this year in October in Nashville, Tennessee. So it was a it was another new experience for me. I felt like I learned a lot about country music there. Um, the <laughs> conference was really good as well. Um, it was really tailored to 
security leaders and, and a lot of the challenges that they're facing in uh, recruitment, of course, AI, um, risk management. And so, yeah, I think there was a really lot of interesting themes there. Yeah, definitely um, racking up the air miles there. But yeah, those are just a few of the events we've attended as a team. We've been to a lot more and they've all been so valuable to us. So if you saw us or met us, um, thank you for spending the time um, chatting to us this year. Now, before we dive into some of the stories we've been covering, a quick message from our sponsor, Sophos. Free up IT and security staff to focus on business enablement with 24-7 ransomware and breach protection services. It's like having your own dedicated security operations center, featuring expert-led threat hunting, full-scale instant response capabilities, and a service customized to your specific needs. Best of all, Sophos MDR is compatible with the cybersecurity tools you already have. No need to rip and replace and far less expensive than building your own security operations center. Now, James, we wanted to kick off with one of the stories you covered this year, and it actually happens to be one of the most read stories on our website. Over to you to kind of talk a little bit about what it is and why it's so important to our industry. Yeah, sure. Um, So, yeah, this was the ISC2 Cyber Workforce Study. Uh, It's an annual report that they uh, brought out in October this year uh, to kind of coincide with the the conference that I mentioned. Obviously, the headline figure from from that report was that the workforce gap, uh, which and this is the difference between uh, the the workers and skills that organizations say they need and what they actually had went up in 2023 again by 12.6% compared to 2022 and is now at 4 million globally. So a huge, huge figure. Um, But I felt like the report had a lot more other interesting insights in as well, which might explain why why it was so well um, read on on our website. Um, I think a key thing was the the impact of the economic downturn, the global economic downturn that we're seeing on on the cyber on direct impact on the cybersecurity sector. Nearly half of the respondents in the survey said that they had. Res- experienced cyber-related cutbacks in the last year. And this even included layoffs um, and also budget cuts and hiring or promotion freezes. And obviously these issues are only exacerbating the, the skills gap. Yeah, I think that 4 million figure was quite the headline um, number. And we have seen a lot of layoffs this year in the cybersecurity sector as companies feel the squeeze in the current economic climate. Yeah, I spoke to um, Claire Rosso, who's CEO of ISC2 at the event, and she she really expressed a disappointment that that business leaders have or some obviously some business leaders have engaged in cutting back cybersecurity staff as it's kind of short term thinking in a way. And in that if if you reduce your cybersecurity capabilities, you're more at risk of uh, suffering a, a damaging attack, which will result in far more um, financial damage to the organization. Um, so, yeah, she she sort of said it suggests that the some of these um boardrooms are more concerned about economic risk than cyber risk but obviously the two are very heavily interrelated and this is despite a lot of research showing that boards 
are more aware of the risk of cyber, cyber attacks um, or, or the impact that cyber attacks can have on their business. So, yeah, that was a, that was a very disappointing finding. I feel. Obviously, that's only some some boards that have engaged in that. Another big impact that the economic downturn has had on cybersecurity was the increased risk of insider threats. Um, so in the ISC2 report, over half of the respondents reported an increase in insider risk-related incidents, and half had said that they'd either had personal or secondhand contact with a malicious insider in the past year. Um, so I think it's been well documented before that insider risk activity does have a, a, a strong link to the current economic environment. So in particular, if you're having layoffs, for instance, then those are employees who are at risk of being uh, made redundant or have been made redundant are have, have a much higher risk factor for engaging in insider threat activity. Uh, for example, to get revenge on their employer, or they might be liable to being recruited by malicious actors who sort of pay them to leak sensitive information about about the company for example so yeah i think the the wider context of the report obviously on the skills gap itself and and also the the impact of the the current economic environment on cybersecurity is really important to consider going into next year and beyond i think we really need to re-emphasize to business leaders and boardroom that cutting security budgets is it's just not a good idea from a financial point of view. It's is far more likely to certainly in the longer term result in bigger financial losses to to the organisation um, through uh, damaging cyber incidents. Um, and in terms of the insider threat, it's obviously it's always been a, a big risk for organisations, but. Um, it's important to be even even more vigilant now and, and sort of have those key measures in place to to mitigate the risk, um, such as monitoring um, access, strong access management policies and employee welfare as well, making sure that you're identifying those employees who may have financial or other, other issues going on that could make them more susceptible to, to being insider, insider risks. And uh, James, what were um, some of the reasons outlined by uh, ISC2 for, for, for this skills gap and for, for why was it so challenging or is it so challenging to, to hire cybersecurity professionals? Uh, yeah, it's a very good question. I think there's a, there's a lot of um, factors involved in that. I think a key one is um, that we've discussed quite a few times um, at Info Security Magazine is probably lack of opportunities for a certain diverse range of candidates to come into the field and a frequent topic that comes up is that a lot of cyber jobs require quite expensive qualifications even for entry-level roles so it might be computer science degrees and, and other uh, qualifications that, that tend to cost quite a lot of money so these requirements can act as a big barrier to people from poorer socio-economic backgrounds and that obviously disproportionately include, tends to include um, people from ethnic minorities. There's also a lot of research that shows that women are, are more likely than men to be put off applying for roles where they don't exactly match the, the job specifications. So I think we are hearing a lot more discussions around this issue, which is really positive and the need to recruit differently in this sector, sort of go away from sort of having those un, often unrealistic qualification requirements, instead allowing opportunities for people to develop skills within the role and 
Um, obviously, cybersecurity is a field that's constantly evolving, so it is a continuous learning area anyway. Um, so, yeah, it's it's good that we're having those conversations, but yeah, be, um, hopefully next year and beyond, we'll see more, more action in that area. There's a lot of other factors, though, that contribute to the skills gap, and I think um, retaining workers is, an, is another one as well. People leaving their roles due to issues such as stress and burnout is, is a big, big problem in the industry right now. I think it's interesting, James, that you kind of mentioned learning there, um, because literally one of the last events of the year has been Black Hat Europe here in London. And Kevin, you spoke to Ollie Whitehouse, who is the chief technical officer for uh, the National Cybersecurity Centre in the UK. And he actually said, when you commit to lifelong learning in cyber, you have a greater impact. So he's definitely on the journey of continuous learning. And it is something that a lot of cybersecurity professionals promote. And it's part of it. I get the impression that cybersecurity is a lifestyle as well as a job. So mm. a lot of uh, things there to consider based on that report and what you've been covering, James. Thank you so much for that. Kevin, I know you wanted to dive into AI. I feel like I should have a bingo card or a bell that I ring every time I say AI. It has been the word or the acronym of 2023 uh, that we've been talking about all year. For listeners that want to get more insight into the impact of AI on cybersecurity, they can take a listen to last month's podcast where we dive into everything AI and cybersecurity. But Kevin, you wanted to tackle a specific angle that you covered way back, cash your minds back, to January 2023. Yeah, because it's all year round. We've been talking about security risks, security threats uh, that generative AI poses. Um, But one thing that's looking back that really caught my attention, and I will be probably following this closely, um for the months and years to come um are the data protection issues and concerns around around ai in january so it was in january 2023 i know it sounds like ages ago but um some of the things that we spent time exploring back then i think are still relevant so it was data privacy week and i interviewed uh, several experts about uh, one particular threat posed by chat gpt and other large language models which is data privacy so first, I uh, investigated the data scraping model on, on which those AI-powered tools are based. And I tried to find out if this process was indeed legal or not, if there were shortcomings in terms of how um, or, or, or illegal uh, processes in uh, in terms of how the data is scraped from the internet. Uh, and I think it's still an ongoing topic. So uh, I had experts saying that it was very... Um, there was a lot to say about this. Obviously, it's not clear yet if it was all legal. Uh, there's going to be a lot of like uh, lawsuits and different litigations everywhere in, in the world, I guess. Wasn't this the reason that Italy banned ChatGBT for a certain yeah. period? Because they were unsure of the data privacy concerns around it. This was like earlier in the year as well. Yeah, it was quite a, a brazen uh, brazen act Uh uh, even for the biggest critics of of, uh, of ChatGPT, they said like it's quite it's quite harsh, but it showed that the concern that was very much in the air. I also tried to um, to ask some experts about is the data scraping legal, but also is it compliant with actual rules? Because right now 
we see that a lot of countries are, are working on AI uh, safety rules or legislation, but there are already rules, especially around uh, data protection. So in, in, the, in the EU, there's the GDPR, uh, there's also the California Consumer Privacy Act, and, and a few um, US states have, have their own uh, GDPR-like uh, legislation. So I asked a few a few um, experts about this, about like, is it is it actually compliant with GDPR, for example? Is ChatGPT compliant? The answers were not completely clear as well. They showed big concerns around the way data was treated by OpenAI, and also the 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 lack of of uh, ex explanation on the privacy notices of uh, of OpenAI's uh, website. And um, and today these privacy concerns uh, are, are quite overshadowed, I feel, by uh, security concerns. But they they have not gone away for sure. For example, data privacy concerns are addressed in in the AI ethics framework proposal, which is part of the EU AI Act, which uh, which latest version is being finalised by uh, European institutions as we're recording this. So we're recording uh, early December 2023, and right now the EU institutions are trying to finalise the, the the last draft. And in the UK, the Information Commissioner's Office has also published its own detailed guidance. So you can take a look at, at this. On, on, so it's on AI and data protection. It was late, uh, last updated in March 2023. And uh, also in the US um, in 2023, the, the, um, the NIST, so the National Institute of Standards and Technology, has released the AI Risk Management Framework, and it also addresses AI privacy concerns. So yes, AI and especially generative AI is posing a lot of threats uh, into to security. It's used by hackers, it's used for phishing, it's used for a lot of things, but it's also raising a lot of concerns around data privacy and personal data protection. And I think that's a space that we're gonna we're gonna have to to watch next year as well. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that you kind of picked out that angle there, Kevin, especially because I was at the ISACA Digital Trust Conference. And one thing a lot of people had a lot of questions about relating to AI was intellectual property. So if you drop a piece of IP from your company, even if it's like a release date of a product, for example, some kind of sensitive information, how protected is that if you drop it into a open piece of generative AI like ChatGBT, there was a lot of questions around that. Yeah, and in May, um, in May 2023, Samsung actually banned ChatGPT for its workforce among employees because some employees kind of leaked critical information or sensitive information from like relating to uh, to Samsung's intellectual property. So yeah, it's definitely a big, a big topic, both for the general public and for uh, organizations and enterprises. Yeah. And uh, James, I know you've been covering AI as well. I think we all have dipped our toes in the AI water. Yeah, def definitely. And um, uh, just just to kind of move on to the um, security risk side from ChatGBT and other large language models, I think it's been really interesting recently having conversations with security experts and also a few reports that have come out that it certainly seems to suggest that cyber criminals are using these tools for social engineering in particular at the moment. Um, so phishing emails, making them more realistic and, and really that puts into question a lot of the, the current practices for people to detect phishing emails like the, the misspellings and that kind of isn't really an, an issue anymore. 
But it has also been interesting to hear that it, so far it seems that a lot of cyber criminals are reluctant to use these tools for more complex tasks, such as developing malware, which has obviously been a big concern with these large language models. It seems to be that the technology is possibly too unreliable at the moment, and obviously it's trained on data that's um, out of date as such, so it can't really create anything novel by itself um, and to be honest when techniques like credential theft and, and phishing um, those human human based threats continue to be so successful why do you need to if really if you're a um, sort of financially motivated cyber criminal um, however this is certainly something we're likely to see cyber criminals use as, as tools going forward so i need to keep an eye on that yeah i think definitely the question around can you generate malware? I guess in some cases you can, but is it useful? I don't think it has been used to the extent that maybe some people were expecting it to when the likes of ChatGBT was first launched a year ago. But as you said, something that will develop. But thank you, Kevin and James, for highlighting those two stories. That's just a drop in the ocean of some of the coverage InvoSecurity magazine has been doing over the last 12 months. So for our listeners, do head to the website to um, check out some of the other things we have been diving into. But now, James, over to you to introduce our interview guest and what you had talked to him about. Yeah, thank you, Beth. So yes, I spoke to Brad Laporte from Lionfish Tech Advisors about his reflections on 2023 uh, and his predictions for 2024, uh, and also the areas that he believes security professionals should be focusing on in particular going into this year. Um, unsurprisingly, the impact of AI on attack and defence was a big theme of our conversation. Uh, let's take a listen now. Thank you so much for joining us today, Brad, at what's been the end of another hectic year in cybersecurity. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I just wanted to start really by asking you a bit about your reflections on 2023. So what have been the most significant trends you've observed in cybersecurity this year? And, and did any of these surprise you in any way? I, there's a couple of things. So I'll hit four major points. One is uh, overall gen, generative AI adoption and the sheer volume that, that existed there. The overall efficiency that cybersecurity vendors have implemented overall was very astounding, especially the speed of which that occurred. And then uh, specifically regulations around disclosures and overall governance around cybersecurity, specifically with the U.S. government leading that charge, but it's been cascading across multiple countries. And then uh, overall ransomware continues to be a top priority. It continues to be that upward swing in terms of one of the the, the major attack vectors and and uh, specifically the uh, major payloads that exist there and the coexistence and impact with the overall really adoption of cyber insurance and expansion beyond that and specifically the rise in premiums and uh, just the overall coverage of organizations as they look to really have adequate coverage within their environment. So uh, it was quite a, a up and down market, you know, market across the board. 
thank you for that, Brad. Yes, yeah, definitely ties into a lot of the themes that we've we've been covering a lot of info security this year. And and yeah, I definitely knew that generative AI would come up as as, as one mm -hmm. of those. Yeah. Uh, just following on from that question, I just wanted to ask you also about what you believe the biggest successes or advancements you've seen in the field this this year. Yeah. So actually, one of my predictions from last year for this year was. Uh, number one, that uh, generative AI would actually uh, be a major adoption, and that would be the, the major year. Uh, leading up to that point, I was tracking what OpenAI was doing, uh, Anthropic, and just working with a lot of tech companies and cybersecurity companies, and just looking at some of the capabilities they had. And, and really, just my previous uh, history working at IBM and at SecureWorks, you know, we had been working on you know, Watson and, and other generative AI solutions over the larger part of the past decade. So I knew that it was going to come to that fruition. Um, so that's going to continue and it's really going to be uh, in 2024, you're going to see a lot of good and you're going to see a lot of bad. So uh, it's certainly going to be a machine versus machine war out there um, as threat actors adopt these technologies. They're gonna. It's really gonna beef up their the reconnaissance portion of their uh, attacks, uh, where it's really gonna speed up. Uh, you know, the, basically the creation and and really their ability to adapt to an environment. So you're gonna see further adoption of more hardening, and and uh, more organizations getting really serious about their attacks surface and specifically their uh, their external and internal attack surface. So. Uh, with these tools, they're able to really you know, implement more polymorphic type malware and exploits. Uh, I mean, easily could upload hundreds of thousands of different malware samples and just with a single prompt get a re return of like who's what types of systems are vulnerable to these. How can I modify or combine these types of uh, samples that, that have been successful in the past? Which ones are the most successful? You know, basically write code. You know, here's a snippet of the code of each and you know give me a you know basically a super bug that i can detonate across the board the other thing that you're going to see is is a shift from a tactical focus on uh cybersecurity maturity a lot of organizations are going to start to grow up and they're going to be more strategic about it and they're going to be more continuous about it and gartner's already came out with uh their framework for continuous threat exposure management called ctem um, that came out summer of 21, and that I did a lot of the groundwork at Gartner for that back and going as far back as 2019, uh, something I've been beating the drum about for the past four plus years now. And uh, the, it's one of the top priorities overall. And the reason why is that really helps with the uh, continuous improvement across the maturity, uh, the maturity model. But it also helps from an operational readiness perspective and organizations are trying to get from a level one maturity to a two to a three to four or five and really level up where they are primarily because with the attacks are getting more voluminous, they're getting more uh, impactful uh, and there's more threat actors than there, there have ever been. It's been over 100 X over the past really over the past 10 years. The other thing is you're going to see. A lot of organizations from a buyer side start to focus on security debt. And what I mean is they've been made of a lot of investments in cybersecurity tools over the years, and they're going to be looking for a return on investment. They're going to start quantifying, okay, what am I getting out of this 
uh, XDR or EDR, whatever your favorite DR tool is. And, you know, out of these products and services, am I really getting the biggest bang for the buck? So you're going to see a fusion across uh, cyber risk quantification type tools that actually quantify and put a dollar amount to those security tools. And, and you're going to see a, a fusion of the continuous threat exposure management as well, and really start seeing harmony between those two paths where you have the operational readiness and then you have the dollar amount quantification and mapping of that and really truly seeing uh, a realized value and being able to quantify it. With that will come consolidation. It'll, it'll result in basically a churn of uh, tools that are just not up to, up to snuff. And initially, the first half of next year, you're going to see a quality dip. So because of all the layoffs that have occurred in the past 18 months in this industry, the people aren't there. The focus isn't on research and development. If you look at the actual spend and allocation that are there, it's everyone's been in survival mode for the past 18 months, and that's going to come to fruition. And there's going to be a, a, a pendulum swim, the swing that's going to take place uh, that's going to be recognized by buyers. Hey, I've paid XYZ for this amount. I'm not seeing the value. I'm swapping you out. You know, that happens enough time with, with enough big accounts. You're going to see organizations close their doors. You're going to see a lot of acquisitions, a lot of fire sales. Uh, but you're also going to see a lot of people make proactive and even reactive corrections to that. So uh, because of the low staff and, and things of that nature, I mean, just to give you uh, a real you know, hard number around this, an or a, uh, organization that typically has a burn rate of $400,000 uh, a year back in 2022, in 2023, that burn rate was actually cut by over 60%. So it went down to 175,000. So with the layoffs and efficiencies, which is great from a profitability perspective, and a lot of the upper echelon of the cybersecurity vendors that are, that are in place, they actually were extremely profitable this year because of, because of those cuts. But that comes with a negative component because you have uh, really or employees that are just not relatively happy with that because it's not entering into their pocket. And a lot of them, over 60% of them are looking to leave their job. So, and on average, the, the average tenure of a frontline cybersecurity worker is roughly around 18 months. So all of that is gonna be a powder keg that's really gonna have a major impact on the, on the industry. Some quite worrying um, analyses there, really. And yeah, the cyber skills gap is is a huge issue. And, and as you say, things like burnout and retention is it seems to be a growing problem in, in the industry. Mm -hmm. um, and given some of those trends that you, you described, um, what areas do you believe that cyber professionals should be most focused on on improving next year? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is make yourself indispensable. So you want to you want to be the last person on that list to to be cut in the event that there's layoffs. Also, you want to obviously continuously improve yourself. You want to sharpen your pencil. You know, if there's certifications that you think would be helpful for you to pursue, you know, now's the time to do that. Seeking advanced level uh, education, but really it comes down to the micro improvements. So every day, just making it a little bit better. So. If you want to learn about AI and generative AI, there's no better time than now to do that. And I mean, even with ChatGPT, you just go in there and just start playing around. 
go on YouTube. There's a bottomless pit of information out there today. Uh, it's just not even enough time and enough years that you could have to learn everything that you need to learn. So making yourself as marketable as possible and you know, especially as organizations look here, you know, you want to basically level up and get to that next level. Um, especially as, you know, I mean, what, what people really understand is there's hard numbers that from a budget perspective is, is organizations look to implement. The mass majority of organizations are looking to implement 30% uh, of their budget is going to be allocated towards generative AI, which means that there's going to be less development and engineering roles. There's going to be less uh, focus on R&D from a human aspect, and AI is going to be filling in a lot of those positions. So uh, it is we're going through a transformation, so they need to be able to you know get ahead of that the best of the way that they can. Yeah, absolutely. It just underlines and probably exacerbates, I guess, the journey to the AI side, the, the need to, for continuous learning uh, in this sector. Well, it applies to all sectors, I guess, but I think especially in a industry like cybersecurity where the technology is just constantly evolving thank you so much for your your time and your insights brad for this mm -hmm. for this episode about your reflections on 2023 and the year ahead um we'll definitely be watching this space to see how some of those uh, predictions unfold next year um but yeah thank you for joining us thank you Great to hear from Brad there, touching on some of the biggest issues in cybersecurity and what we need to consider as we head into 2024. It will be interesting to see if we have any more big launches or anything that's quite as game-changing as the large language model OpenAI ChatGBT has been uh, for this year. But obviously, we'd all love to have a crystal ball, but unfortunately, I certainly don't have one. I don't think James and Kevin, you have one either. So we can only kind of make guesses, educated guesses, though, on what to expect for the next 12 months. But I hope everyone has enjoyed our overview today and what we have been covering here at InfoSecurity magazine. In 2024, we will be uh, touring the globe once again, uh, heading to RSA, InfoSecurity Europe, Black Hat USA, as well as many other conferences and events. So we hope to see as many of you there as possible. But from all of us here at InfoSecurity Magazine, thank you for listening and Happy New Year for 2024. Yeah, Happy New Year. It's been great working again this year. Happy New Year. And a final thank you to our sponsor, Sophos. See how much you can save with Sophos MDR by visiting sophos.com forward slash MDR today. Thanks for listening to the Info Security Magazine podcast. For in-depth interviews with the industry's leading experts, check out our sister podcast where we sit down with a cybersecurity expert to discuss the hottest topics of the day and their personal journey into cybersecurity. And of course, for more news, analysis and expert insight, head to the InfoSecurity Magazine website at infosecurity-magazine.com.